You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. Something, um, because I love you, and uh, we're all family here, right? So if you're gonna if you're gonna bomb, bomb before family. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I want to pray for Jed this morning before we get going. Um, Jed's uh, little girl's uh, sickly and got a lot of stresses on him and stuff. And Jed, I want you to be encouraged, man. That uh, the music was fine. It was good. It's okay. The microphone failing just happens, man. We live in a fallen, fallen, stinking world. And the and the devil we're going to talk about today, the power, the prince of the power of the air in this realm. He influences crazy things like that. I just noticed that babies seem like when, when the gospel's being preached, right when it's at the key point, all of a sudden babies will start crying. I don't know if you've ever noticed that in a church service. That's the prince of the power of the air. That's not God. He's trying to keep people from hearing the word. The word was good this morning. The music was good this morning. I want to pray for Jed before we start. Father, this morning, Lord, I want to, to lift up Jed, and I know there's some health problems there at the house. I remember having those days with Dan with the RSV and that with uh, the little baby there and and uh, Quinn, and uh, Lord, we pray for her now. We pray for her healing now. Um, we pray for rest for Jen Whitney. And I uh, pray that he be encouraged, Lord, that you're, you're doing the work that you're having him to do on this day for your glory. So we, we're grateful for him, Lord, and the work that he does and the, and the, the, the way he leads us in, in singing and leads us to the throne there with preparing our hearts and music. And um, thank you for those that do the music here, Lord. We're grateful, Lord, for your, for your gift of, of Jed and Sarah and, and Aubrey to us, Lord. Thank you for your blessings on us, Lord. I pray for this time now as we read your word, study your word, Lord, that it would not, uh, wouldn't fall on deaf ears, but it would sink in, Lord, and we would use it from this point as we go about our week. In Jesus' name, amen. On, I want you to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. I had something happen two times this week that hasn't happened to me in quite a while, but it's happened in the past where I've been speaking, and like while I was speaking, I could really feel like God was telling me to say a specific thing. I'm oftentimes, I uh, like I said, I'm glad family's here today, and we kind of lopped. So, well, no, we're doing better now. We had a few. I thought church was going to tip over. Everybody was sitting on this side right here, but finally got a few sheep in here, so we're all right. I'm going to the goat side, the sheep side, whatever. Maybe this is a goat side. I don't know. But anyway. I'm glad that you're family and that you're here and uh, you can watch me flounder. I always prepare. I think it's very important to prepare. I usually work all week or multiple weeks on one message. And then sometimes I have two or three in the chamber, you know, and then on that Saturday, on Saturday, I'll spend most of the day, every Saturday, that's what I do, is um, preparing the message for, for Sunday. And then, you know, on, on Monday, I start on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, as soon as I preach in, I start on Friday if I got the rescue mission. And then on Sunday, on Saturday, I do Sunday. So I had it all ready to go. It was good, man. It was good. But I really, in reading it, I was like, man, this isn't the word for today. And so this morning at 7.30, Jed, the Lord really spoke in a, not in an audible way. I will say it wasn't like, Dale, do this. It wasn't that. But it was like, that's not the word for today. And I talked to Pastor Elias this morning, and, some, and I'll tell you what happened there. And then um, in something that I um, was working on anyway for next week, um, I think it's the word for today. So we're, we're, we're working without a net today. We're working without notes. And so it may be different than what you're used to. Um, have mercy on me, a sinner just like you. But I believe this is the word that God's called me to give you today. It's a hard, it's a hard word. 
and a scary word, but it's the word I believe that I've been called to give you today. Um, let's go to Matthew 24. Start at verse 2. We're going to read all of it. It's, it's 50 verses, but when we get done with that, we're going to go to Luke and read another 20, so never panic. On, on Wednesday night, we've been doing a lot of, we read three chapters of Ecclesiastes Wednesday night, and there was, it just got better as the reading went on. Not that the readers were fantastic or terrible. It wasn't that the, the skill of the readers that made it good. It was the hearing of God's word directly from his word, just the speaking it out loud of his word. And it was, it was powerful. And then on Tuesday morning, I met with the deacons and, the, and Jed and Dave, and we've been reading uh, the book of Acts together and praying for their fellowship and for the work that goes on here because something's got to change because the hearts of the people have grown cold and it starts with the leadership. And so I've been, I've been talking with them and, and we, don't, we don't exposit the word, we just read the word. And the reading of the word together just gets better. Like, like the first chapter is a little bit of work and then the next guy reads it. You don't have to be a great reader. You can be a crummy reader. You get a D minus in reading in fifth grade. It doesn't matter. The reading of the word together has been really good, and it's built a, a, a bit of a bond there in the guys, and, that's, and we really needed that. Let's read the word together this morning. Chapter 24, verse 2. Matthew. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? And surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said, and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea, Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. I pray that your flight may be not in the winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be a great tribulation such as not been seen, has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. If anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, He's in the desert. Do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms. Don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will, be, will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you'll know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all the way took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Two men will be in a field, and one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, uh, what's the what's the article about? What's the chapter about in that? It's the it's the end, the end of the ages, right? And we're gonna we're gonna break it down probably from the book of John. It's a lot shorter, or I'm sorry, the book of Luke would be a lot shorter and a lot easier for us to handle. But as I was reading this. And I was putting this together. I was thinking, I don't want to, I, I hate to just kind of bring up the news all the time, but the news is relevant because it affects us. But what we don't see is how, how big the things that are going on are, that they're worldwide. And yet America has a real key part in it. Today is the election for Peru. Pastor Elias called me this morning, very concerned because they're looking like they're going to elect this communist guy. It's 50-50 right now. Go either way. The problem is the communist guy is no better than the person he's running against who just comes from a corrupt family. They, their last five presidents are in prison right now in Peru. It's corruption after corruption after corruption. Their, their country model that they teach the children in school is Peru is a poor man that sits on a rich man's throne, sits on a golden throne. They have all kinds of material wealth, gold, precious stones, oil, fish. They have the ocean. They grow all kinds of crops. They have all kinds of tourism because of the Inca ruins and Machu Picchu and different places like that. They have the jungle. They have the rainforest. They, they got it all. But to, because of their corruption and their wickedness, they take advantage of their people and they just crush them. And they just keep them crushed. And, and um, in that, uh, that communist bunch, they just killed some people in the jungle areas trying to force their hand to ensure that they vote for this communist guy. If you don't vote for him, we're going to kill more of you. The last time the communists were in power, almost 100,000 people were murdered um, um, trying to keep them in check, trying to crush Christianity. So, so that's just Peru. I mean, we know Peru. We like people there. We love people there. We have friendships there. What about 
Maybe that's just all there is. So in Africa, that we've watched our thing week after week where the Muslims just come after any Christian or just a person that's a non-Muslim, just a person living and they're killing them, just killing them to kill them. China, Myanmar, killing Christians in droves, Iran, Israel just elected a new uh, a guy, and the guy that they elected, uh, Naftali Bennett is his name, to replace um, Benjamin Netanyahu. He's somewhat, he says he's conservative, but he's made a coalition with two other men. One man is a leftist, and the other is an Arab. And I dare say that the Arab has no care for the people of Israel whatsoever. Why would you put uh, an enemy of your people, a, I mean, just a historic enemy, since time immemorial, since Ishmael and Isaac were separated, why would you make him one of your leaders of your country? The foolishness of men, it's tragic. Iran is, is making a coalition around Israel, and they're calling it the Circle of Fire. And Iran said of Hezbollah and Hamas that this would be the last time that Israel would be able to fight against a single nation at a time, that all of them are going to come together. And it says, in Luke, we'll see that, that, that Jerusalem is going to be it's going to be destroyed by the nations that surround it, and then the Son of Man returns. So it's coming. So if I looked at those things, or if I had to look just at the United States, I don't want to get too... I don't, I, this is not political. I'm not even going to say it's political. I'm going to tell you what the truth is. There's the truth. Because of printing money like they're doing, it pays better to sit at home than to go to work. So what happens is you end up with this... this issue of flow of goods because these corporations can't get the work done because they can't get people to come to work. So they can't get them to come to work. So it causes a backlog of stuff. So I was talking to Lefty, Bill Lefty Sanders there, Lefty's Barbecue. The price of pork went up 400% in one day on last Tuesday, 400% to purchase pork. He said, I don't know where Kelly's getting his pork. Kelly don't know where he's getting his pork. Kelly's Big Boy's Barbecue. Um, it's going to have a cost. There's going to be a cost involved. They, they gave, I was talking to Chris Puckett, who's in prison, one of our church members who's in prison. It's always good to have a, a good active church member in the jug. But he's a good evangelist there. And he said, you know what, I just got my stimulus check. What the heck is prisoners getting stimulus checks for? What's going on? And then they're going to tell me, there was a newspaper article, a guy from Spain was kicked off of Twitter, which Twitter and all that, baloney means nothing to me and it's, and it's stupid and it's foolish but he was kicked off of twitter because there was an article in the newspaper that said a man just had a baby and all the man said all this government official said was men can't have babies and so they blast him and they kick him off he was a representative in their congress or something and kick him off make him apologize he didn't apologize god bless him yet he probably will so we see People in the United States that says men can have babies, boys can run races against girls, and now girls can't win any races. If transgender athleticism is so great, how come girls aren't joining the guys' track team? How come it's just guys joining the girls' track team? It's ridiculous where we're at. Why is it this way? Well, it says why it's that way. It says, the earth, and on the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity. Everybody's like, what the heck is going on? They call evil good and good evil. The wrath of God is revealed among men, and, and men don't realize that it's God withdrawing his hand and letting the natural part of men do whatever it is that they're going to do with no restraint. And with no restraint, you're going to see the world come apart at the seams. I want us to read from Luke. We're going to read Luke 21. 
It's very similar to Matthew, but Matthew's just got a lot more going on, so we've got to shrink it down where we can handle it in a relatively short period of time. Luke chapter 21. Jesus again speaking. This is right here. Strong wrote this on here. What are you going to do with Jesus? Here's Jesus speaking. He's a kind master and Lord, Jesus is, because he's speaking right here and he's warning us of what's coming. He gives you a warning. If he gives you a warning, heed the warning. He looked up, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into a treasury, into the treasury. He saw also a certain poor woman putting in two mites. And he said, truly I say to you that this poor woman, widow, has put in more than all. For all of these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. And she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be, and what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is drawn near. Therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, <clears throat> do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. And he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and to prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. <clears throat> for I will give you a mouth and a wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. And you'll be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost, but your patience possess your souls. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by enemies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be a great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them for fear, and the expectation of those fears expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken then they will see the son of man coming in cloud in a cloud with power and great glory when they see these things now when these things begin to happen look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh then he spoke to them a parable look at the fig tree and all the trees when they are already budding you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near so you also when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. Take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, that the day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things 
that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. Then early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. <clears throat> so we'll start at the top. So it says, they ask him, and even in starting with the widow's money, the widow's putting the money in, to her, the temple is a very important place. To be in a place where you can worship God and meet with the presence of God was an important thing to her. She was willing to give all that she had to have that opportunity. And these other guys were coming in there for the prestige and wanting the special seat and the, with the big money. And Jesus points out that it was great what the widow did. It's fantastic what she did. She has a true heart of a, of a follower of, of the Most High God. But the reality is the temple's not going to be here. The temple's going to be destroyed. And it doesn't matter how beautiful it was. The disciples are going, man, look how nice the temple looks. And Jesus, having known what Solomon's temple looks like, he's like, yeah, it's, it's all right. I mean, I've seen better. I mean, he's been in heaven and seen the high, the high and holy place where the, where the Father exists. So, yeah, it's okay. But I'm telling you, it's going to be removed. And they said, well, you know, if it's going to be removed, what's the signs going to be? And he just starts going down through the signs. And I want you to look at the signs and see if these things are happening now. Because I just gave you a small piece of the picture there of what's going on in just a few countries there. But I'm telling you, in every nation right now, and this is what I started to tell you, because America's printing so much money right now, it's actually causing economic disasters in, in all the, the so the, the dollar is the basis of the International Monetary Fund. All other monies of the world go through the U.S. dollars. They have to convert to U.S. dollars to purchase oil. They have to go through the U.S. dollars to purchase certain commodities. So they have to convert their money from whatever it is to U.S. dollars and back to their money to purchase oil, say. Well, so their monetary systems are based on our monetary system. So when we start printing money, what it does is it causes a financial impact in countries like Peru or Colombia or Bolivia or Africa. Pastor Chibui talked to him, and the cost of stuff is going up daily, going up daily. Why is it going up? When we were, last time we were in Peru, we exchanged uh, soles. It was 3.27 or something like that to the dollar. It's 3.8 right now, and it was 4.1 the other day. So it's really going like this, really fluctuating. And the reason is, is because it's not based on anything, like the U.S. dollar. It's not based on anything. They're just printing off, printing off, printing off. So it's having an, a bigger effect than the things that we realize. If we pay everybody to sit at home, guess what? Your economy comes to a stop. We don't like to think of that. We like to think about how it benefits a guy like Chris. Well, he's in prison. Now he can make phone calls or he can buy more ramen noodles or whatever. But in the other thing is it brings a bunch of money into the prison that causes drugs to go way up. He said the drug sales is really going up in the, in the prison because everybody's got $2,000 to blow, $4,000, whatever, how much. So, so in the United States, we got that going on. We got the transgender agenda that's very powerful. We got the rioting in all the major cities. We got the, we got the um, abortion. The Hyde Amendment was just broken. So, so now uh, government-funded abortions is back in. In, um, in the thing. So now when you pay your taxes, the federal government can take your money and they can give it to abortion clinics wherever. And so just by being a citizen of this country, we're paying to see babies killed. And the Bible tells us that there's no atonement for the shedding of innocent blood and we're sitting there having to pay for it and we're going to have to eat it. And all these things are happening. And, and that's nothing 
of what's going on. I mean, that's just a, just a little tiny piece of the corruption and the, the terrible things and the abuse and the murders and the crime rate and, and, the, and the different things, the stuff that's happening at the border, all those things. But it's all got to happen. If I read the book right here, all of those things have to happen for the Son of Man to return. It's hard to swallow because I never would have thought in my lifetime that I would have seen these things. But we're seeing it. And you have to be blind, willfully blind, like an ostrich with your head in the sand, not to see it. But what can you do? When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be terrified, verse 9, for these things must come to pass, but the end won't come immediately. So we're going to see an increase in discord. We're going to see an increase in wars. We're going to, I got a quote for you. Here's a quote, Jed. You got to tell me who said this. I can see there is no fear of God in you. And we have left our biblical values. Who said that? Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is a more devout believer than the people that are running the governments in the United States, a so-called Christian nation. A guy was interviewing him and was saying these things and trying to get Vladimir Putin to, to cave on some things like gay marriage and stuff. And he said, he said, I can see that there's no fear of God in you. Vladimir Putin, that's where we're at. The nations are raging against God. No longer do they care what God has to say about anything. Even a man that we consider wicked like Vladimir Putin, a dictator who crushes his people, even he can see that there's biblical values, and when you go against them, you're going against the Most High God, and that there's a price to pay. Even he can see it. Before all these things, though, this is what's kind of sad. This is what's scary for us. Nation rising up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences, which we've just seen with COVID. That would be a pestilence. Famines all over Africa, different places, fearful signs and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Well, is that happening? Because... When I talked to Pastor Elias this morning, he told me that he's not allowed to go back into his church. If he goes into his church, he'll be arrested and fined. If he goes into his church to pray by himself, his church is like from here to the corner up there. He just walks up there and back. He built the church. His money built the church. The church is actually in his name, which may not be the world's best idea. So it'd be like you having a barn across the road from your house and you can't go and go into your barn and pray. It's his church. His heart is in that church. They go there every Sunday and pray at 6 a.m. They pray for two hours with weeping and songs and prayer, deep prayer in their, in their church, and he can't go in there. If he goes in there, he's arrested and put in jail. You go to jail in Peru, there's no rule of law. You're going to have to pay somebody to get out. Somebody's going to have to bring you food. It's going to be rough. The pastors in Canada, they arrested three two weeks ago on their way out of their churches. They preached in their churches. They got in their cars, and then the cops waited for them. When they drove out of the thing, they arrested them. It's coming. It's coming. But it says that that's not the end. It'll turn out for you. These things will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. How can these negative things beating us up be a positive and give us an opportunity for a testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and a wisdom 
which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Isaiah 28. Go to Isaiah 28 for me. Isaiah is the gospel in the Old Testament over and over. It's the, it's the 66 books in 66 chapters. has an Old and New Testament in it even. talks about the Messiah. It's good stuff. But look at Isaiah 28. We'll start at verse 10. And all I'm trying to do is break this out for you right here. Settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you'll answer, for I will give you a mouth and a wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Verse 10, precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue I will speak to the people. This is the rest which you may cause the weary to rest in. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. So there's a, there's a means of layering of God's word in your mind. We read the word of God and we layer it in there. We lay it in there, precept, an idea, a scriptural idea on a scriptural idea. It says it must be upon a precept. It must be a doctrinal, scriptural, factual, truthful orderly idea and it must be laid on another doctrinal truthful factual idea and it must be laid in there and it must be laid in there and it must be laid in there line upon line as i study the bible i read the word i mark my bible i memorize scripture here a little there a little you don't have to memorize the whole book start with jesus wept and then lay something else on top of it but start memorizing the word and putting it in here because here's why there's going to be a day when you're not going to have the opportunity to go home and read two chapters and write some notes out real quick about what you're going to say to the court official when he arrests you coming from your church. And the other thing I was thinking is, Pastor Elias is sitting there weeping in his house today because he couldn't come to his church. And we have a church and church doors that are open, and we don't care if we go or not. Maybe we go, maybe we don't. Something better comes along, we'll go do that, whatever. If that hurts your feelings, I don't know what to tell you because that's exactly the truth. Because what happens is the word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept. It was a burden here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught because they didn't have it layered in there because they didn't have a word when they were called on. And what happens is you're going to see that even the elect start to fall away because they don't have the word hidden in their heart that they may not sin against him. Behold, I lay in Zion, Isaiah 28, 16, a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. It's what we talked about last week. Is what I was going to talk about this week. How to build on the foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. You've got to have this in there beforehand. If you wait... You're going to be out of luck when you have to stand before the man. Because it says, so right there, back to Luke 20, 14 and 15, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you'll answer. For I will give you a mouth and a wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Verse 16, and you will be betrayed, even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. People that you go to church with today, that you love and you care for, when the pressure comes down, they're going to turn on you. They're going to say, yeah, I, I know. I mean, Jed, that guy, he prays all the time. 
He's got Bibles. He's got more than one Bible in his house. And they're going to be like, okay, you can live. Just, uh, you know, thanks for that one. We'll be back. They're going to turn on you. And when they turn on you, this is, this is what's going to happen. They're going to have a hatred for you because you're standing firm in the faith. Their hatred grows from their own despair and their own shame of turning against their one, uh, their one true love. It's a, it's a bit major challenge right there. It's going to be God's people turning on God's people because for fear, for fear of persecution, for fear of suffering, they're going to turn on their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But, but not a hair of your head will be lost. God knows. He's got them counted. By your patience, possess your souls. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. It's coming. It's happening now. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter in. This is something, that word has been on me very strongly, this right here, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. If you think about our country, and you think about where the, the biggest problems are, where are they in the United States? You've got a picture of the United States there, it's all around the coast, right? Is where the major issues of crime and those things are. And where is the least amount of that? It's in the, mount, it's in the uplands, right here. So where are people coming right now to escape the wrath of the judgment of God that's going on in these cities? Where are they coming? They're coming here. They're, the guy was, a guy was talking in Idaho. He's had a church in Idaho, a really devout, powerful church in Idaho. And he said, man, they're moving here from Washington State and Oregon in drove. Why? Because of the protests and the killing and the terribleness, whatever. And they're moving to Idaho. Idaho's in generally very conservative and and Christian, more Christian-oriented than that. And he said, here's the problem. They're moving here, and they're taking those ideas, and they're bringing them here. So the call for you is to speak to those people that are coming here and do not allow them to present the wickedness that they left from, like Lot and his daughters. He's the only righteous man left in Sodom and Gomorrah. He leaves, and his wickedness is so imbued in his daughters that they go out and they have intercourse with their father he took the sin of the city with him to the mountains it's going to happen here unless you stand up unless you begin to speak unless you begin to have the word hidden in your heart unless you begin to memorize the word and dwell on the word read the word preach the word speak the word well, i'm not a preacher you're a preacher Speak the word. You're a minister of the gospel. Speak the word. Be bold in your witness. You better be bold right now. It's going to be worse. Be bold now. You're going to be betrayed. People that you're never going to believe in a million years would, would turn on you, will turn on you to get the pressure off themselves. It's what people do. It's just what they do. I was reading Voice of the Martyrs and all these people, all these husbands, this one man was interrogated and they gave him a shot in the interrogation to get him to talk more freely. And uh, he didn't spill anything. And anyway, they released him. Whatever they gave him, he said, I would rather, I would, I, he prayed to God that he would not die at the hands of his captors. And he went home that night and he died in his home in his bed because they had injected him with something that caused him to die of a heart attack. That's exactly what it says right here. It says men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. People are going to have heart attacks in fear, fearing the judgment of God, seeing the things that are happening. No more putting their trust in governments and men. 
and Jerusalem will be trampled, verse 24, by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Guess what's happening right now? Jerusalem is one of the main tourist places in the world for Gentiles. They're trampling Jerusalem right now. And those nations that are going to surround it are going to crush it. But that's just what's got to happen. There's a time for flight. And I see that in this, in this parable that Jesus is telling. He's not just telling a parable, he's telling the truth. 2,000 years ago, that's pretty amazing, he, he nails it. There's a time for flight. Where's the place of flight? Where's the place of refuge? For Israel, it's, for, it's Petra. For us, where's the place for flight? The, it's got to be with the body of Christ. I read about Afghanistan, it said there's three types of Christians in Afghanistan. Number one, the ones who left. Number two, the underground church, very small. And number three, dead ones. That's the only three kinds there is. It's coming here. But I don't believe people realize, I don't think they believe it. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive to all nations. There will be signs in the sun, verse 25, in the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, confusion, the sea and the waves roaring. All the time when you see that, the, when it said like the sound of many waters, you know, that's all the voices of all the nations clamoring at once. And they're all saying the same thing. What the heck is going on? Men's hearts failing them. Heart attacks. And the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. They'll see the sun. Then, this was, there was not a single amen today, but then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. When you see all this terribleness, that's a word, <clears throat> when you see all this happening, raise your head up. We're bad. We're, we're looking down because this is where our lives are. We're looking down trying to hold on to stuff, trying to hold on to this earth. We're trying to control our things and intend and what's happening is our things are controlling us instead of clinging to christ instead of clinging to god and looking for his rescue and looking for his redemption we're not even looking for it we're like well man i don't want people stealing my stuff i got to make some more money i need some more houses some more land some more cars some more jazz whatever you need i don't know what you need some more vacations some more time off some more friends whatever you need and you're trying to hold on to this instead of clinging to the redemption that draweth nigh. We're not trying to hold on to him. But there was a blessing there. Where is that? Now when these things look up, heaven and earth pass away, take heed. Hmm. Verse 36, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That's the blessing. Quit looking at your stuff and start looking to Christ. And cling to him. Quit, you know, be a wise servant, a wise caretaker of your time and your money. And put them towards things that have eternal value. Lost men and women and children. Our brothers and sisters that are in persecution now. Our brothers and sisters that are sick now. The, the expansion of the gospel. Well, I got to hold on to my, I mean, I need a new... Whatever I need. New water skis. I don't know what you need. Maybe you need a ring. Whatever you need. People, different people need different stuff. I don't know what you need. I need more internet power. 
and I'm going to save my money to buy more mega gigs, whatever. <laughs> I need more. I need more and more. I need it faster and faster. And without it, I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm just going to be sad and I'm going to be depressed. And he's like, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. I want to escape. This is not, I'm, I'm a sojourner, right? This is not my home. This is just the passing through place. This is the preparation place. What was revealed to me in this is that, and it said, the Bible tells us that this realm, this earthly realm, this is not where we're designed to be now. It's where we were placed initially in God's image in the garden when it was all perfect, but we turned over control of the earth to Satan. This is his realm. Our realm is in heaven. Our realm is in the kingdom of God. We're to... We're to exist in the kingdom of God on this earth, but I'm telling you, it's like fighting back the zombie hordes, and they're coming. It's like the, you know, they put the little, in the, what's it called, the Petri dish, and they put the penicillin in there, and then the stuff starts kind of dying away from it. It's like that. You're the, you're the penicillin, but all them germs are coming back for you, and they just keep climbing, and we're not prepared to fight against the negatives of this world because we haven't spent time in the word. We haven't been heeding well. I saw that it said in, um, um, in the Matthew one about just as in the days of Noah, so will the, son of, the days of the coming of the Son of Man will be. What does that mean? Well, it described what it was. People are just living their lives. They're doing their thing. They're going out to eat and they're going home and they're watching TV and they're having kids and they're having parties and they're getting married and they're just living life. They're going to work. They're driving their car. That's what they were doing in the days of Noah. And Noah's like, listen, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The wrath of God is coming on all men. And the people mocked Noah and they kept living just like they were living before. And what happened? They were lost. It's sad because it says that in, um, in Matthew again that if the days were not shortened that even the elect would have been led astray. Who's the elect? In the Old Testament, the elect were God's chosen people. But not all of God's chosen people made it into heaven. You know why? Because they chose to worship Baal rather than God. So he elected them. They were his people. He drew them out as a protected nation, but they still had the option to choose him. The elect of this age right here that's being talked about is the same option. You can be a chosen person of God. You can be a Christ follower, but in your own will, you can reject what his word tells you to do what he asks you to do and follow him you have the opportunity to reject that and in time comes he will reject you if you deny me before men i will deny you before my father what are we going to do he gives us every opportunity to be prepared for these things but we got to wake up and we got to begin to apply these things assuredly i say to you this generation will by no means pass away until all things take place Heaven and earth, everything is going to be destroyed, will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Jesus claiming himself as God right here is saying that his word, when we go to heaven, we will be speaking God's word to one another. We will be reminding God's word to one another. His word will be spoken to us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will be saying the worthy, 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 holy, holy, holy. We'll be saying those things. We need to layer it in there, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, statute upon statute. Little by little. And we just keep laying it in there, laying it in there, laying it in there. And therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and a wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. 
even when you're betrayed by parents and friends and sons and daughters and so on, you'll remain faithful to the end. You're going to have to lay it in there now, friends, in order to be prepared for that time to come. Father, this morning, I thank you for the word that was spoken. I pray it was the word that you had for us. I'm reminded there in Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from falling, from stumbling, Lord, I pray that for these that are here today, Lord, that they would hear the word and they would be convicted in spirit, that they would begin to set aside things in their lives that have drawn them away from you. Lord, I make it perfectly obviously clear to us what it is that we've made the idols in our life and break us from them, free us from them. Help us to redeem the time, Lord, while there's still time. Help us to be evangelists and ministers and servants, loving and long-suffering, merciful with one another. Help us within the body of Christ to see one another as, as better than brothers and sisters, like loving, caring brothers and sisters with one another, encouraging one another, exhorting one another until the day comes. Lord, I, I recognize that we're, we have human frailties, we have flaws, we have sin in our lives, Lord, and it's so blinded us because we've put so little effort out in seeking your face, and we've put so great an effort out in feeding our own flesh that we've become almost useless for your kingdom, Lord. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on this place, Lord. I know this word was a hard word this morning, Lord. I pray it was the word that you had for us, Holy Spirit. I pray that you speak to people's hearts in that. Convict the spirits of the people that are here. These are the ones that were here today because you predestined them by your sovereign will to be here and to hear this word. May their ears be open and their hearts be softened and in tune to hear the word and go away and apply it to their lives. Father, well, I pray that we be bold in our witness to those that we come in contact with this week and the weeks following, Lord. I pray for our friends in Peru, Lord. I pray for Pastor Chibui in Africa. I pray that they remain faithful to the end. Lord, I pray that we may be counted worthy to escape these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That you'll not forget us, Lord. That you'll rescue us from this time of wrath. Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for those that are there. We pray for our Christian brothers and sisters at that harvest of Acro. Lord, I, I pray for those there. I know that the godly man there, I know he's right on the Gaza Strip there. Lord, I pray for mercy there in that group. I pray for your mercy on that country. I pray that people will repent and turn back to you there, that they'll quit following their own way and their own fleshly desires, Lord, but they'll begin to seek your face wholeheartedly. Father, I pray now and thank you and so grateful for this opportunity that we have to just be with one another in this place. Christian brothers and sisters, one in the bond of love, Lord, grateful, thankful. Lord, use us for your glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask the men to prepare for the Lord's Supper. We won't play a song. Oh, he's got it, okay. As you um, listen to the music, as these guys are, are preparing this to, to serve us with it, um, I pray that you would take the time, like it said, to not take this in an unworthy manner. And really, that, that was really speaking a lot to, to greediness and gluttony and that sort of thing. But 
But in your spirit, you know what you've got going on in your life. You know what the prevailing sins are that just keep you down, the presumptuous sins and so on. I pray that you take this time as you listen to the music and you take these elements and you just kind of sit there and ponder that, that, um, that you take this as a, a time of repentance and a time of thinking, dwelling on those things, and then uh, that, you're, um, that your heart is pure and your garments are clean as you receive this, okay?
In Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. I hope that today, surely, as many times as you've heard the gospel in this place, surely, at some point, you've recognized your stubbornness and your hard-heartedness, and you've allowed for the fact that Jesus the Messiah came to save you. That's my testimony. Jesus died for me. That's it. You don't have to know what a filthy, wretched thing that I am. But if you can't say that about yourself, then may today be the day of your salvation. Jesus died for me. He took all the wrath of God, all the sin of all times on himself that you could live. You're due death. You're due the death penalty because of what you are. Dead in your trespasses and sins, you're a wicked person. You may not think that about yourself. think you're a good person. I'm sorry, but you've lied to yourself about that. The Bible's outlined exactly what we are. We're lying, blasphemous, stealing wretches that speak blasphemous words against our mothers and fathers. We've coveted things. We've had adulterous thoughts. We're wicked people. But God made a way for us that we could access his holy throne, and it was through his son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that today is the day of your salvation, that you will hear that word, and you'll repent in your heart and turn from your wickedness and begin to follow Christ fully with your life. Luke chapter 22, verse 7, Then there came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. He sent Peter and John and saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. <clears throat> so they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. And you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he'll show you a large furnished upper room. There, make it ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. <clears throat> Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. 
But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. I uh, verse 29 says, And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So here's what's going on. It's kind of an interesting thing. Not all of the of the communion slash Passover stories have this line in it, but it says that he took a cup and he told them to divide it amongst themselves. It's the first cup. If you remember the Passover Seder as we sat there, there's four cups during the thing. And the first cup is, um, uh, is the cup of sanctification or thanksgiving. So it's the purifying cup. He says, take that one, which we just did. We spent a time in, in thinking, meditating on on what we are before him. We ask for forgiveness for our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We took the time to do that. I pray you did. And so you've been sanctified. So then it skips a cup, though that cup was taken in the meal. It's kind of skipping over that part in here. And he picks up the third cup. And we'll talk about that in a second. So it's interesting that Jesus fasts from the first cup. He's like, this cup here, I'm going to give it to you. You guys share it amongst yourself. He fasts from the cup because he's already pure. He doesn't need to be sanctified. He is sanctification. He is purity. He is holiness. He doesn't need that. And he says, with fervent desire, I've, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And it says he took the bread, verse 19, and he, and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given to you, do this in remembrance of me. And I know I've covered this a lot of times. I just tell you to remind you, this has been one of the greatest blessings of my life to discover this bread and the Hebrew roots and the Jewish roots of Passover and how Christ comes to fulfill them all. But his body was pierced for our iniquities, bruised for our transgressions. By his stripes, we are healed. This bread that's been used so commonly in Israel all these years and they can read Isaiah 53 and see it for themselves, but they choose to be willfully blind. Don't be willfully blind. Receive the body of Christ. It says he broke it. And he gave it to them, each one. And he blessed it, saying, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who bringeth forth bread from the earth. Jesus is not having his best day right there. One reason he may have been fasting as well is the fact that he knows what's coming. The disciples are kind of unaware. They're having the Passover, very Thanksgiving-like festival, and they're having enjoyment in that. And he knows that the cross is soon coming. It says, this is the day that the Passover lamb is prepared, is killed. He knows that, that's, that he's the lamb. He knows that, and he's going that direction. Disciples are just so clueless they can't grasp it. But he, so, so Jesus not having a lot to celebrate, he fasts. The disciples have everything to celebrate because he's going to give his body and his heart and his, and his blood for them. Um, so he's really stressed. He understands the moment of time that's upon him. And it doesn't mention, like I said, the, the cup of deliverance, the second cup. But the third cup is the cup of redemption. Lift up your eyes, raise up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. This is the cup 
of the lifeblood of Christ shed for us for the redemption of sins. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who bringeth forth the fruit of the vine. As you know, in, in Matthew, that says that they went after that, they went out, having sung a psalm, they went out into the night. The psalm I chose for today is um, Psalms 113. 113 through 118 is the Egyptian halal. This is the ones that they sing and pray during Passover and Day of Atonement and things like that. Let's, let's stand together and, and uh, read this one. When we finish this cup, the only thing we have left to look for, there's nothing else that needs to be accomplished on this earth for Christ to return. Did you, you know that? There's nothing else that needs to be. He'd come any time. And he warned us of that. And the only thing we have left to look forward to is the cup of restoration, the last cup, the final cup, the cup of restoration. When we'll be restored to him in the kingdom. I'll read this psalm and at the end maybe we can finish with praise the Lord. It starts with praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and on the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust. He lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes. With the princes of his people, he grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. And altogether we say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, this morning we are so grateful for this opportunity to be together to hear your word, Lord, I pray that it will not return void. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We praise you because you have made us. We're the sheep of your pasture. You have a purpose for us. Lord, I pray that we be diligent, bold, to go out and spread the good news of the gospel. Grateful for these that have come. They could have been somewhere else, but they chose to be here. I pray that the word was, was satisfying to you, that the prayers lifted today were a, a sweet aroma, and that the songs were pleasant to your ear, Lord. Grateful for your goodness, Lord. I pray that your lampstand not be removed from us and your Holy Spirit's anointing oil continually fill it. And we ask all these things in the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen. I got two little, uh, two little announcements. The number one one is there's a man who works for Jimmy Baldwin. His name is Billy Bateman. You can sit if you want. Uh, it'll be real quick, I promise. Billy Bateman. Um, so he has, he had cancer on his tongue, had a, a strange thing happen. He, after they did the surgery on his tongue, cut about half his tongue out. Then he got to coughing some blood or something and he tore his stomach and his eating parts loose and it came up here, caused him to have a problem with his lungs, all kinds of, they had to reattach all this stuff. The guy's being fed on the feeding tube. The issue is he didn't have any insurance. Um, he's, uh, and I think it's about taking him under financially. Um, if you would like to give just uh, help for this guy, he is a Christian. I don't know that he's a real strong Christian, but I know it would be a strong witness from our fellowship to bless him with an offering this morning. I want you to just, if you want to do that, you've got two ways of doing it. If you don't care if the church documents it, you can give the money directly to Jimmy, and Jimmy will pass it on to him. If you'd like the church to write it off, put it in the box, write to Billy, and uh, we'll, we'll know where it goes, and we'll give him an offering this morning. Um, uh, for just for some help with paying the bills. He's back to work now, but the, the financial burden of that's been great on him. Okay, That's number one. 
Billy Bateman. Be praying for that guy. Um, we're, we're praying that his heart be softened and that he just uh, really desire Christ in all this and just really see his need for the gospel. You know, his need for God. Be in prayer for Vince, uh, too. Same thing. I mean, I know these negative things are happening to him and the cancer and all that. He really needs to, to be turning his entire life back to, the, to his creator and allowing him to care for him. Next one is a fish fry. We're having that next Saturday, and I kind of need a count. If I can't get a count today, maybe you could call and text uh, you know, the Renetta through the food chain that the ladies have together there. Um, yeah, we need to kind of need a number before Saturday so we can get a good count. I'm telling you, it's a good time. We usually start about, about 1 o'clock. Is that when we're doing it? We'll be ready to eat at 1. What do you say, Lander? A little later. Two, eat at 2? Okay. Uncle Ray says eat at 2. So come, spend time with us. We're just going to sit here and eat fish. And I know it sounds crazy, but it's pretty good dang fish. So you'll enjoy it. <laughs> Uncle Ray will be out there in his uh, Santa Claus suit cooking fish for us. It'll be good. Um, it'll be a good blessing. Here's the last thing. I really need you to be in prayer uh, for... I got a, a weight on me with this uh, church that's coming from Calexico, um, Holtville, California. They're bringing 60 people. 60. 60 in Spanish. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of people. We ain't got 60 people here today. They're bringing 60. In Tennessee, we call that a whole hee-haw gang of people. They're bringing a herd. And so, so I have three... Do I have three? I think I got three little house repair things for some of the guys to do, and maybe we might get to use them on the church. Um, some of the ladies, uh, Marina, Pastor Marto Kale's wife, asked for some help with cooking. He's bringing some cooks to help. It, we kind of need some all hands on deck for that, and here's what we need the all hands on deck for is the vacation Bible school that we're going to do with them. They need help cooking and organizing kids. They're going to do it. They're going to have all English ones. And ones that are all in Spanish for the Spanish-only kids. And in the main time, uh, the first time they did it, it was mostly in, it was as much in Spanish as in English. Now it's going to be an English part and a Spanish part. And then they'll have the large group together will be um, Spanish-English, the introduction and the, some of the song. Kids really enjoyed it. I'd ask that you come uh, pray about coming, being a part of that, being a part of cooking, being a part of the Vacation Bible School. Invite kids. It's a great opportunity to present the gospel. They do a great job of presenting the gospel uh, in that, during the evenings, Pastor Renee is going to be speaking to the gringo, non-Spanish-speaking type people. And Pastor Richard is going to be speaking to the men, the Spanish-speaking men. You can go to whichever one you want. But Jimmy, I suggest the English one, just for you. But everybody else, go to whichever one you want. Um, and then there will be a lady teaching. Irene is going to teach in uh, English, I believe. And then another lady is going to teach in Spanish. So there will be classes for adults, classes for children. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a regular wing ding. We're going to eat every night over there. It'll be good. I'm sure it'll be a lot of Mexican food, Mexican-type food. It'll be good. Good and good for you. Clean out your system. You'll be fresh for once the, for the following week. It'll be good. Plan on being a part of that and, and, and putting some time in that with me. Don't. Uh, uh, I think we might need a place or two for some people to stay. They'll be good couples. Um, most of them, at least the wives, speak English. Um, if you've got a bedroom or something, you can throw our way. That'd be good. Um, we got five cars. We might could use one more. I don't know. We got five cars right now to be used for helping them travel around. And they're renting a big tour bus to go to the Ark Museum, okay? 
So it's the 18, 18 is the first Sunday and it's the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday after that, that they were going to do the vacation Bible school of July, July. Mm -hmm. And guys, you worker bee guys, try to schedule just one day or another that you can work with those guys. They're going to be working on some people from our churches, little things in their homes. Um, uh, and um, I'll give you, I'll tell you who the homes are, you know, I don't really want to tell you from the pulpit because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but, but uh, we got three different little places we're going to work on and potentially work here at the church a little bit one day. Okay, so maybe you can take one day during that time to work with those guys. They're fun guys, they're crazy and loud, whatever. God bless you all, we're going to eat together. Um, bless the hands that prepared the meal and let's enjoy time together, fellowship over the food and, and God bless you this week. Jay, we'll be praying for you. Be praying for our friends in Peru. Be praying for the church there in, in Africa as well. All right? Lord be with you this day.